Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fake TV Critic, a podcast where I discuss the week's biggest TV news headlines, recap and analyze some of my favorite shows, and let you know what you should be watching. Thank you for joining me on one of the most psychotic weeks of the year as we are all getting back from our, you know, week-long food binges and preparing for a longer holiday season and in a lot of places changes in weather and I hate it. I hate this week. It's <laughs> it's so stupid, especially as a teacher, having like three days off and then having to come back. My students have two weeks and then our semester is over. Like it's the most inconvenient and stupid break. And as you probably know, if you've listened to the podcast before, I don't like Thanksgiving. It's a stupid holiday. It's not real. But we're here. We're back. Uh, Because of the holiday last week, uh, not a whole lot of news to report. Um, One, the the one story to talk about, (laughs) uh, last Monday, Todd and Julie Chrisley, who, now I love me some trash reality TV, again, as you know if you listen to this podcast, but one show that is even too stupid and nonsensical and I can't even get into is... Chrisley knows best all about the Chrisleys, whatever fucking shows they have, however many spinoffs. And I do not understand these people. I don't get why they're famous. I don't get why they got their own show. Was it spun off from something? I don't even know. But I feel like they've been on TV my entire life. And I always just, like, I, I always forgot what their names were until this week. And we'll get to why. Um, I always called him... That southern gay guy, but who's married. Because that's, and I think that's how everyone identifies Todd Chrisley. Is, like, I'm, was it Toddlers and Tiaras? Is that where he got, it might have been. Because I feel like, wasn't he like a pageant coach or something? Unclear, don't care, regardless. He, they're all over TV. You know who they are. If you see their faces or hear their fucking voices, you will know who this is. But earlier this year or last year, I forget which... Um, they were indicted by the federal government, um, and they were found guilty in June of conspiracy to defraud banks out of $30 million in fraudulent loans. And they were found guilty of, like, a slew of tax crimes, including attempting to defraud the IRS, which, like, boo-boo, clink-clink. Um, so on Monday of last week... A judge sentenced Todd, the husband, to 12 years in prison and three years of supervised release, and his wife, Julie, got seven years in prison with three years of supervised release, and their accountant got three years in prison and three years of supervised release. I am, I'm of two minds here. On on the one hand, I love that the the feds are going after people for committing white-collar crime, because living in a rich area myself, it bothers me that uh, people with money think that they're above everything, that they're above the law, that they're above other people. Um, so I'm glad to bring people down a notch. Um, but this is my, if you're going to go on reality television, Jen Shaw, listen up. If you are going to go on reality television, you better make damn sure that your past is clean. Because if it's not, they're gonna find out. They're gonna find out and they're gonna come for you. 
because they seem to be making examples of reality TV stars when it comes to these white-collar crimes. Like, going all the way back to Teresa Judice on The Housewives of Jersey, you know, like, I think it was, like, a decade ago at this point, that, like, she basically signed some forms that her husband gave her that I still, to this day, don't believe that she even knew what she was signing um, when she did. And she ended up in prison for a year. Because, like, the documents, you know, were, like, defrauding the government out of tax money and shit. And the situation on Jersey Shore was the first person in the state to go to prison for the crime that he was sentenced or that he was uh, convicted of. Usually you get some probation, some suspended sentence, community service, fines, all that shit. He went to prison for almost a year. Now we have Jen Shaw, who just took a plea deal from Real Houses of Salt Lake City, who is, they keep pushing her sentencing back. Speaking, This is another like semi-news story. So she was supposed to be sentenced last week. Originally, when she pled guilty over the summer, when I did that emergency episode, um, she was supposed to be sentenced right before Thanksgiving. Uh, her attorney was like, that's cruel, let's wait. So then it was supposed to be like a couple weeks before Christmas. And then something happened there, and now it's going to be in January. So she keeps getting, you know, like, the longer it gets pushed back, the longer it's going to be until you get out, girl. So anyway, um, Jen Shaw is about to go to prison for between 11 and 14 years, according to her plea deal. Now we have the Chrisleys going to jail, seven years for the wife, 12 years for Todd. And, like, that's a long-ass time, and it's all because, like, they took out fraudulent loans. So... The case, apparently, was that the Chrisleys got fraudulent loans from banks by submitting false bank statements, audit reports, and, like, financial statements, I guess, of, like, what what money they had uh, stowed where. And they used the loans that were supposed to be for businesses to buy cars, clothes, houses, and to travel. And then they were earning millions and millions of dollars on their reality show. And they weren't reporting that to the IRS. Like, what are you... You're famous. Like, your show's been on the air since 2014. What... How do you think you're going to get away with, like, not paying taxes on money you've received from a popular reality TV show? Come on now, you fucking morons. Um... But then the most ridiculous thing about this whole situation is that the network, I think it's USA, um, already filmed episodes prior to the Chrisleys going to trial, and they're still going to air them. (laughs) Like, so gross. So we are getting so much further away from, I don't know, reality tv being actually about humanity it's so it's wild it's absolutely wild (laughs) um so that that's that's the big news story this week no renewals no cancellations um just that and then we had the thanksgiving holiday and like you know actual news is happening i'll let you i'll let you uh decide your feelings on the state of our country other than that so because i'm going to talk about international things today Cause fuck America. Oops. Sorry about it, but like not feeling too great with all the mass shootings happening in the world and Kanye West meeting with Trump and Twitter going to hell in a handbasket. It's too much. So I'm going to go to my happy place, which is Drag Race. 
and we're going to talk about the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 4, uh, the UK, or RuPaul's Drag Race UK Season 4, and this new season of Versus the World, which I talked about earlier this year. We had Drag Race UK versus the world. Now we're getting Canada's Drag Race versus the world. So let's start with Drag Race UK season four. I haven't talked about this season at all. Um, if you go back and listen, um, toward the very, very beginning of the podcast, um, I did a few episodes of Drag Race UK season two, which for my money is very much the best UK season, but also one of the best Drag Race seasons across any franchises. Like probably top five, I would say it's like, Drag Race Season 6, All-Stars 2, and then maybe UK Season 2. Like, it might even be Top 3. Season 5 of Drag Race is definitely up there. Maybe it's like Season 5, Drag Race, then UK 2. Regardless, it's amazing. It was such a great season. And since then, like, nothing that the UK can do can really live up to that. Season 3 was a bit of a letdown because... I personally and many others did not like the winner, Crystal Versace. It was a top three where like everyone was rooting for one of the other two or even like a tie with the with the top with those other two. And the third person that, you know, the a very small minority wanted to win won. So then this season started and it immediately was just like very flat, I thought. Season four was very flat. Um, it premiered, I think, like, back in September. Yeah, end of September it started. And it just, I don't know, like, the longer it goes on, or the more seasons that we get, like, there seems to be a huge divide amongst the queens. Like, that there is a very, very clear better half and worse half. And I feel like a lot of times on regular Drag Race and some other international seasons, there's not that clear divide where you can just like, as they enter the room, look at them and be like, you're going to be top five or you're going to be top four or you're going to the finale. You know, like season two, Bimini Bonboulash walked in looking a hot fucking mess, um, was in the bottom in the first episode. And then by the end of it, we were all rooting for her to win. And so, I mean, like that was unpredictable. Uh, Drag Race Down Under Season 1, Anita Wiglet won one of the first challenges, went home the next week. Like, we all thought that she was going to be a top contender, and then she was, like, I think the third one out. Uh, Art, Art, what is Art's last name on Season 1 of Down Under? I forget, Art. <laughs> but Art got eliminated, and then they brought her back. Like, there's, there's kind of, um... It doesn't seem as obvious of like, oh, you're there because they needed to cast 10 or 12 queens. But that was so obvious, I feel like, this season with queens like Just May and Starlet um, and uh, Copper Top. So, like, the first three were, like, from the jump, it was like, you are for sure the first three out. And that, like, doesn't make for an exciting season of Drag Race. And then over the course of this season, it became even less exciting because past episode, like, I don't know, I want to say two or three, I can just look it up while I'm talking. Past, like, one of the first episodes, the only queens who won were, there were two queens who traded off all the wins. Okay, episode three was the last episode that had a winner who was not one of the top two queens. Like, 
there were only two episodes where Danny Beard or Cheddar Gorgeous didn't win. Out of ten episodes, they won combined eight of them. That's not exciting. Do you know what I mean? So, the top two, obviously, if they're splitting eight wins apiece, were Danny Beard and Cheddar Gorgeous. Danny Beard was, as her name suggests, a bearded queen from Liverpool. Um, very funny, very campy, very much my style of what I enjoy in drag. Um, like in one of the episodes dressed up as Audrey Two from Little Shop of Horrors in one of the best looks of the entire season, maybe of all of UK. Uh, wonderful, cheddar gorgeous. Uh, not a huge personality like Danny Beard, but like very precise and like a like chameleonic like can could kind of slip into anything could look any way like didn't have i don't think like a particular style that she stuck to like danny beard had the beard all the time and had like um kind of like a gothic ish kind of paint where it was like you know a white face and a harsh cheek uh contour not that it looked bad or like a copy at all but like very much like had a a look Cheddar not so much was could very much slip in and out of any style and did it very successfully obviously she won three episodes in a row by herself um so that was very that's very impressive there and it just like the whole season it, the two of them just traded off wins and it became super obvious that like even when the other contestants were trying their hardest and were like giving good interview face, <laughs> you know, like we're really entertaining and they're talking heads, they're confessionals, that it didn't really matter because it was going to be one of the two of them. Like when you each get to the finale with four wins, one of you is going to take the crown. So by the time we got to this last week's episode, which was the finale and it was a top four, there was no reason really for it to be a top four other than to eat up time. And it was a, I'm sorry to say, a really boring finale because there was no way in hell that John Burr's Blonde or Black Peppa were going to win. So having to like sit through these episodes and like listen to them do their interview with Rue and Michelle as is, you know, as is now part of the canon of the final episodes of Drag Race and then have the workroom conversations and walk the runway and do their like, what would you tell your younger self thing on the runway it just like it was nice for them to get the moment obviously but we knew that it was a foregone conclusion that there was going to be a final lip sync that was just Danny and Cheddar so it just it was so inevitable to get to that those final like five or eight minutes whatever it was between the two of them so it just it felt so it, it felt slow because of that and it was just like because it was such an inevitable final two it cut like i've forgotten so much of what's happened this season because it was as if no one else was there do you know what i mean like episode one black pebble one and that was like okay what are what are we getting this this is interesting episode two they gave a win to six queens because they divided them into teams of uh, for a girl group challenge and they gave badges to an entire group so six people won episode two. So then it's like, oh, okay, so we're just gonna go into the third episode with seven people having badges. That's a choice. 
And then from then on, that episode, there was another split win. So there were two winners in the third episode. And then episode four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, it was just Cheddar and Danny trading off solo wins. And they both won episode two together. They were in that same girl group. So, like, why the fuck was anyone else even there? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there was no reason for any... Like, it... The whole season could have just been Danny and Cheddar competing against each other because that's what it felt like. So it did not make for a very exciting season of Drag Race UK. Like, I'm looking at the list of queens now, and there are there are quite a few on this who I don't remember doing anything. You know, the when Just May was eliminated the first episode, until they showed her in the finale, I forgot she was on the season, and, like, she was a Ginger Spice-inspired like kind of impersonator... Um, Starlet, again, completely forgot she was even there. She was second gone. Coppertop, okay. Like, I remember her being there because her name was like a play on Carrot Top. Sminty Drop, I remember enjoying her time and thinking she went home too soon. Um, and then, you know, like, then it gets closer to who we've just seen. But, like, John Burr's Blonde got all the way to the finale without ever winning anything. And when that includes an episode like the second one where six people got badges, like, I loved John Burr. She was very entertaining. And there were a lot of episodes where I feel like she got very close to winning and maybe should have won. Um, but then she got all the way to finale with nothing. And it's like, you're clearly not going to win. Black Peppa got all the way to won the first episode and then was in the bottom four times. Like you're you're clearly not gonna win. It was just it was a very strange season. It was a it, it was a very strange season. <laughs> that is what. There's not much more to say beyond that. Although I will say this for the finale is that this is the first time, um, that a queen in the finale of Drag Race UK that I've wanted to win has actually won. In season one, I was rooting for Davina DeCampo. In season two, Bimini Bamboulash. In season three, Ella the Day. And now in season four, I was rooting for Danny Beard, and Danny Beard won, which surprised me. Um, and I don't know why it surprised me, because like I said, the, Danny and Cheddar were very evenly matched all season. Um, but I guess I just kind of expected that Cheddar was more... I don't know... Maybe a more obvious choice because of like the chameleonic nature of her drag might have been or was a better choice because of the chameleonic nature of her drag. And like Danny Beard was kind of like the Vivian with a beard. Uh, so like maybe since there's only been four seasons would Rue crown two Liverpool queens. But she did. And I kind of wish the season would have ended in a tie because like there's no reason they couldn't do it, you know? There's no financial incentive to only crown one person. Like, it's not like on All Stars 4 when they crowned Monet and Trinity. They both got a hundred grand. There's no... There, there's no prize <laughs> for both of them winning. Like, there's no money involved here. So, like, why not split the win? They both won four episodes. You know? Like, they both won four badges. Like, that's as good a case to make for two people winning as any. <laughs> so why not crown both of them? And I wonder if it's just because, like, they wanted more options for, like, versus the world seasons, which we'll get to the new one in a second. Um, because there's really no reason to not tie. Like, you're not on the hook for more money. They're both going to work. So I, whatever. Um, 
But overall, this was a, a quite a lackluster, I thought, season of Drag Race UK, other than the fact that Danny Beard is a very deserving and wonderful winner, and I was very happy with Danny Beard's win. But like the overall season was kind of like womp womp. Uh, and from what I understand, because if you listen to Alaska and Willem's podcast, Race Chaser, uh, they're currently casting season five of Drag Race UK, and they are apparently having difficulties finding UK queens to be on the show because they don't pay. Like, because there's no prize at the end, and the pay per episode, I think Willem said, is 250 pounds per episode, which is nothing. Like, that maybe covers one wig to take with you, you know? Like, it's that that is nothing. Um, it's, it's barely a drop in the bucket when it comes to what you're going to spend going on Drag Race UK. And then, like because it's now so saturated in the UK that a lot of places where these queens would work are not paying higher fees for them just because they can say appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race UK. You know, whereas they may, maybe got, you know, a couple hundred bucks for a gig, clubs and bars aren't going to pay five to ten times that once you're off the show because you were on TV. Like, they're not drawing in crowds in the UK that'll justify their new booking fees. So they're getting very few applicants for season five of Drag Race UK. And if that's true, I don't find it all that surprising because really exposure is the only thing you are getting out of going on Drag Race UK. It's the hope that if you go on and make an impact, even if you don't win or you don't make it to the finale, that you'll make enough of an impact that you can be, you know, called back for of versus the world, um, that you'll get called for a work the world national or international tour, um, that you'll if you are an actor and you go on that you'll get a call for something like Death Drop, which is the drag play that's running on the West End that Willem is currently in alongside Victoria Scon, who we'll also get to in a moment, but um, that like Kitty Scott Claus, who was top three on season three, she was in. The original version last year, Davina DeCampo has been working on the West End. You know, Bag of Chips and the Vivian obviously are doing lots of TV appearances. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of Drag Race UK queens that are getting this platform that they would need to justify going on Drag Race UK. And I think this season is not going to help those matters because they're seeing like, wow, hardly anyone besides these top two got anything out of this. And it's going to be very hard, I think, for anyone. Like, other than Deco uh, Dakota Schiffer went home episode seven and had two wins, both of them shared, but still, um, and, ha and is the first trans contestant to be on Drag Race UK and had a very nice run and, like, developed a fan base. She'll be fine. And like, but other than that, it's going to be top four. And even then, maybe not even, because like I said, John Burrs and Black Peppa didn't have great track records, but I think they're still still popular enough to, to work pretty steadily. Other than those five, like there's another seven queens here who I don't know if they did themselves any favors going on Drag Race UK. So who knows what's going to happen to the show in the future. Uh, but there you have it. Okay, moving on to Canada's Drag Race versus the world. 
Okay, ver the first versus the world was Drag Race UK versus the world. I recapped it once or twice. I forget how many times on the podcast earlier this year. Um, it's a format that a lot of drag fans have been waiting years for since Drag Race UK was announced. And it's international all-stars. So it's collecting queens. It's, you know, like RuPaul says, it's that Drag Race is the Olympics of drag. This is truly the Olympics of drag because we're gathering queens from different countries and having them all compete together. And the first season had a couple queens from US. It was Jujubee and Monique Hart, Mo Hart. It, a few UK queens, uh, Bag of Chips, Blue Hydrangea. That's it. You know, you had Lemon and Jimbo from Canada. And then we had uh, Pangina Heels from Thailand. So continuing in that tradition, we now have Canada's Drag Race versus the world, where another international franchise is hosting, quote unquote, the next international all-stars. And this season, we have um, quite a few Canadian queens. We have Kendall Gender, uh, Stephanie Prince, and Isis Couture, who was the winner of Canada's Drag Race, all from season two. Um, and we'll talk about Isis in a second get into that more we have anita wiglet from season one of drag race down under who i just mentioned we have raja o'hara and uh silky nutmeg ganache from season 11 and also season six of american drag race rita baga from season one of canada's drag race and then victoria scone and vanity milan from season three of drag race uk now this cast is not a cast that i would have like if i'm doing a dream casting of an international all-stars not a whole lot of these queens are on my list De anita would definitely have been because i still think that she was robbed season one of down under um victoria scone maybe because she she was on season three and i think i talked about her in one of my episodes on season three of uk she won the first episode and she's the first cis woman to be cast in any drag race franchise and to, still is the only cis woman to be on any drag race franchise and she started off super well but injured herself in the first episode and then had to leave after the second episode so like potentially would have done done really well we didn't get to see very much of her because she had to leave the competition so i wanted to see more of her so that's great but then other than that like we just saw raja and silky together on season six of all-stars so last summer we we saw them on all-stars and they were on the same season and they were on the same regular season like do we really need to continue seeing these two competing against each other i personally do not rita baga good choice she was a runner-up on season one was my choice to win season one she didn't that's okay i also love priyanka Isis is very strange to me. Isis just won season two of Canada's Drag Race. So even though we just crowned a season three Canada's Drag Race winner in September, um, Giselle, I already forget her last name. Not a good sign. Um, even though we just crowned that, that uh, her, this season was filmed very shortly on the heels of season two of Drag Race. And she is the first winner to return to... Um, an international season, and other than BB, she's the first winner to return to a regular season of Drag Race that wasn't all winners. Um, and BB returned like 
how many seasons was that after nine or ten seasons after winning bb returned to drag race all-stars so this is a risk for isis um but so far i think it's paying off because i think she's doing really fucking well Vanity, probably not in my top choices. Kendall, definitely not in my top choices. Stephanie, not <laughs> in my top choices for a dream cast. So, like, I think they maybe could have... I don't know. Like, there are... Are there other queens from other franchises I wish they would have pulled from? Yeah. There are definitely queens from other seasons of the UK that I wish they had pulled from. Like, I wish we had some season two queens in here. Maybe, like, an Ellie Diamond or a Bimini Bon Boulash. Uh, a Tace. And Ahura, I would have loved to see one of them here instead of two uh, queens from season three. Uh, I would have loved to see another queen from season one of Canada but, uh, instead of Stephanie or instead of Kendall. I would have loved to have seen, like, I know that there was a rumor, um, and not a rumor, but like a spoiler, that Trinity K. Bonet was cast on this season and then um, did not eventually make it all the way through and Kendall Gender replaced her. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Trinity over Kendall. Then again, that would have been three queens from All Stars season six. Do we like? It just seemed very strange the way this cast was picked. But when it comes down to it, it actually is making for a good season of TV so far. There's been two episodes. It is airing on Wow Presents Plus in America and Crave in Canada. Let's start to break it down. So we have this cast, uh, all English speaking. Um, which again, like we had Pangina on season one of UK, or we, not season one, on UK versus the world. Um, a queen from Thailand would have been very interesting. A, an Espana queen would have been really interesting. Uh, I know there are very likely queens from Drag Race Espana who do speak English or who speak enough English to get by. Same thing probably on Thailand. So that would have been um, a nice... Thing, or Italia, there have to be, or Holland, you know, we had Janie Jacquet. Is that her name? I think that is her name. Anyway, from Holland on UK versus the world. You know, could we, is there one um, that we could have gotten for uh, Canada versus the world? I don't know. Uh, so that would have been nice to kind of bring in some more international flavor, but I'm not going to lie, as kind of meh as I was on this cast when it was announced, I'm happy with it so far. So the first episode um, was the a girl group's challenge, and you had to write verses to a new Canada... For, okay, I'm going to interrupt myself here. Canada's Drag Race has the worst original music of any of the Drag Race franchises. Um, like, okay, what season was it? It was season... I wonder, maybe it was season two. And the song they had to do was by Flop. And it was a country song. And, like, it, wretched. This one is called Bonjour High. And it's, like, a house track that just, like, is all house music. And then the, the, in the chorus, the beat drops. And it goes, Bonjour High. And it just, like, and then it, the beat comes back in. It's so strange. And... I'm just, I'm so tired of these seasons where, or not of these seasons, of these contestants who are like, I'm here to win the crown because I didn't in the first season. In the first season, I was a comedy queen, but now I'm back to prove that I'm a fashion girl too. Like, please stop. Please just give me your personality in a rap or in a sung verse. I do not need your, I'm coming for the crown. Yes, mama house down, booze. Yes, God. Stop, enough, we're done. 
Um, so we get three teams in this first episode. One team is like the camp team. It's Anita Wiglet, Rita Baga, Victoria Scott. Dream team. Love it. Um, the other team is three of the Canada Queens, Isis, Kendall, and Stephanie. And then finally, uh, it's uh, Raja, Silky, and Vanity. So all of the black girls get together for a group. And they were fucking phenomenal. Vanity, who I did not... Not that I didn't enjoy her on her season, but... I don't know if she was like not in a great headspace or just was like outplayed by some of the other people who were on that season. Um, but just kind of like to me, never really stood out all that much on season three of Drag Race UK, despite making it very far in the competition. I think maybe top four. But then came out the gates swinging, pussy on fire. <laughs> I feel so stupid saying some of these things, but. Trying Grace fan, um, that she came swinging with this verse and like really knocked out of the park. Wins the first episode. Top two are Vanity and Rita Baga. They lip sync to an Anjali song, Brand New Bitch. Um, and then Kendall gets eliminated first. Unsurprising. She didn't do all that great. She stumbled a little bit. And like there are a lot of Canadian queens. So they're going to have to start going. Um, Rita Baga also did a very... Rita Baga and I are being this weird on season one of Drag Race, Canada, of Canada's Drag Race, but also has a new face, allegedly, seems to. Um, but like came and kind of is like making a statement that she's like a kooky, weird, cartoony drag persona. And, like, I remember her finale that she was, like, I'm an alien actress taking over. And, like, okay, yeah, you're, like, a little outside the box comparatively because you're Quebecois and you're the only one. But um, I don't think she was that weird. But she's, like, leaning into the weirdness this season. And I'm kind of liking it. Now, the bottoms I did not fully agree with in this first challenge or in the second challenge. Like, as I said, I love Anita Wiglet. On season one of Drag Race Down Under, she was my pick to win from the first couple of episodes. And she went home, I think, episode three. And as she was leaving, her, like, exit line was on, like, is it too early to start thinking about All-Stars? And then for her to get the call and come to Canada and be on the season, be the only Down Under queen, finally getting to come back and, like, prove herself. And then they put her in the bottom in this first episode, not in the bottom two, but in the bottom three, for, like, pretty much no reason. Like, I thought that her and Rita and Victoria were great. And... Honestly, actually, I probably would have put Victoria in the top over Rita for this challenge. But I thought they were all solidly good and, like, should have all been safe. And I probably would have put um, Silky or even Raja in the bottom over Anita in that third place. Like, Kendall and Stephanie were definitely a bottom-bottom two. Um, but then Isis also could have been in the top. She was great in her verse. Like was a weird first episode um but you know we're whittling down the canadian girls they're about half the cast so bye bye second episode we already get snatch game and they change it up a little bit by calling it the snatch summit where um it's like a i don't know it's it's it's, it's snatch game but they're like as if they're at like united nations <laughs> um so regardless it was i i liked the new format it was like a, a way to switch it up a little bit and I thought it was fun. Uh, the reading challenge, mini challenge this episode, worst in history on Drag Race, and they all knew it. And like Anita Wiglet won the reading challenge. 
Um, and they basically were like, you're the best of the worst. Congratulations. And I thought she was actually decently funny. Like, it, I, it would have been a solid reading challenge even if it was in a better season. But whatever. So we get Snatch Game. Anita Wiglet is playing Adele. Uh, Raja is Big Frida. Silky is Lizzo. Rita Baga is Gilda, which I guess is a famous drag queen. Isis is Donatella Versace. Stephanie Prince is Cardi B. Victoria Scon is Kim Woodburn, which I guess is like a cleaning lady on BBC or something. And Vanity Milan is Spice, who I also do not know. Um, an internet person, I think. Or like I don't, like a, a musician that I've never heard of. I'm not entirely sure who Spice is, but she's Jamaican. That's about as much as I got out of Vanity in her walkthrough. And then before, as they're getting ready to go onto the runway after they do Snatch Game, it was like, I mean, it was not a very memorable Snatch Game. It wasn't bad. Um, but like Isis clearly was the runaway winner as Donatella. Raj O'Hara was a good big Frida. Um, Rita Baga was fine as Gilda. Vanity Milan was fine as Spice. But like it was just a, a solidly mediocre uh, snatch game with I thought only one really bad performance and that was Stephanie Prince as Cardi B you know like Anita Wiglet didn't knock it out of the park but also wasn't terrible she just wasn't very much like Adele um Silky not a great Lizzo but again also like not a bomb but not good like definitely could have made an argument for putting her in the bottom uh Victoria Scon like very muted not interesting boring but also not again not a bomb could have put her in the bottom like it was just like there was other than stephanie prince there was no one who really bombed it and like was a clear you need to be in the bottom but then as they're getting ready to go onto the runway the next day fucking justin trudeau walks into the into the workroom and i i almost pooped like can you imagine the first world leader to be i i like i don't even know how to talk about that like first of all justin trudeau Bend me over, spank me, call me daddy. Like, the fuck? The man is beautiful. Let's get that out of the way. Second, he is game for this. Like, he walks into the workroom and and starts talking to them and Brooklyn introduces... And, like, Stephanie Prince is like, hi, daddy. And he's just, like, laughing and going along with it. Like, they're all hitting on him. And he's just smiling and, like, and like, ooh, thank you. Like, he was just so down. And he answered all their questions so well. And, like, well, you know, they're saying thank you for being the first world leader to march in a pride parade. And he's like, we're done with acceptance. Like, we need to move on to embracing or not acceptance. We, is that what he said? Regardless, like, we need to move on. <laughs> now I'm, like, trying to figure out what he actually did say. We need to move on to, like, embracing and loving. And that's what, like, we, we're done with this, like, you know, basic bottom of the barrel, bare minimum shit. We need to move on and, like, come on now. Which was wonderful. And then Stephanie had a very emotional moment where she was like, you know, the reason that I am here in Canada is because of Justin Trudeau and... Like, he makes it so welcoming here in Canada for immigrants who are trying to come to get a better life because we'd be in danger in our in our home countries. And that was a very, um, that, that was a very nice and succinct and important point to make. So, like, that was wild. Fucking Justin Trudeau walks, the, like, I, 
<laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Nancy Pelosi is on drag, has been on Drag Race a few times. I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, too. But, like, Joe Biden never was. Like, can you imagine? Like, I just can't imagine, like, Trump or somebody. You know what I mean? Like, being on All-Stars Drag Race. Like, it, wild. Um, but, yeah, that was such, that was a great scene. Okay, so we get to the runway. The theme is Celestial Bodies. And this is one of the best runways that I that they've had on that they definitely I think that they've definitely had on the international all-stars the versus the world and maybe even on Canada because can I feel like the runways on Canada tend to be a little more homemade looking but the celestial bodies Anita Wiglet I thought looked amazing she was campy but also beautiful she like had a moon as a headpiece um Isis looked fucking stunning even Stephanie looked really great there were there were just some really stunning looks. Um, I don't think Raja looked very good, you know, but she makes all of her own costumes. Like, that's impressive as it is. And, you know, she still looked good, but, like, it wasn't as over-the-top and wow factor as a lot of the other queens. Like, Silky came out, um, like, dressed as a dragon. And, like, it, it was some constellation that's a dragon. And it was just super impressive, kind of all around. So our tops are... Uh, Isis and Raja, which again, foregone conclusion, they were far and away the best. Their lip sync song is Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. Fucking stop it. I forgot that I remembered every word of this song and I was living for the lip sync. Bottom two, don't agree with. It's Stephanie and Anita. And I, they're doing Anita dirty. That's my, my one problem with this season is they're doing Anita Wiglet dirty. She did not deserve, I don't think, to be safe bottom in the first episode. And I really don't think she deserved bottom two for this episode. Like, there were so many meh performances they could have put in the bottom. And I don't know why, of all of them, they chose Anita. Like, Silky and Victoria, I think, were worse. Or committed more egregious sins. Like, the biggest problem with with Anita's Adele is that if they hadn't said, if, if Anita hadn't said, like, I'm Adele, I'm Adele, I'm divorced, over and over, they wouldn't have known that she was Adele. And, like, okay. But then you have, like, Victoria doing this character who is very understated and then not building to anything. That she was just flat the whole time. And to me, that's a bigger sin than someone going for it and not succeeding. Which is also what Silky did. That She kind of went for it, but then like just started talking in circles of Lizzo-isms. Which, again, is something that I'm more annoyed by than someone like an Anita, who is funny, but not in the right way. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, it was weird to me that Anita was in the bottom. But it doesn't particularly matter because Stephanie goes home, rightfully so. She was out of her depth in an all-star season. I'm not sure why she was there in the first place. She was not good on season two of Canada's Drag Race. She was not good on Canada versus the world. She was in the bottom two episodes in a row. I I mean, but I think she's also, you know, the the obvious out. Like, from here on out, it's going to be... Like, I, I, I think the writing's on the wall for Anita Wiglet, which sucks, because I cannot believe that they brought her back for a season like this and just, like arbitrarily decided that she was going to be like a punching bag for them that like we have these queens that we want to do well and that we're going to give 
like redemption stories to or whatever. Like, honest to God, my whole thought process here is that they are going to have a top three of Raja, Silky, and Victoria. I am right off the bat. That is who I think we are top threeing because Raja and Silky, one of them needs to win so they can stop coming back. And Victoria has a lot to prove. And even though she has not done anything really so far to stand out from the pack and to prove herself, they're going to drag her along because of reasons. We can figure them out. Um, one, that she was limited so that she had to go home on her season so never got to show anything. And two, that she is the only cis woman. Like, she, she, she's going to go deep into the competition for that alone. I'm sorry to say that this is how Drag Race works. You know what I mean? Um, so I know that, like, I, I Isis is a wild card. Maybe she's a top four. She could also be in a top three with one of a Raja or a Silky, depending on which one does better. I'm assuming at this point it'll be a Raja and not a Silky based on current performance. Um, but it's like a six-episode season, and they have all of these queens that, like, they've already given Vanity her redemption. She's won a challenge, um, and she's gotten more money in one episode than she had in her whole season of UK. I don't see her being a, a finalist. Rita, maybe, because she's a Canadian, she'll be up there. Um, we'll go a little further. But then also you have Isis, who, like, are they going to give her the, like, you know, she's doing great, doing great, doing great. She deserves to win again. But she just won a crown. Are they going to give her another one, like, right away? I really don't think so. Um, so, yeah, like, Anita is probably next to go or very soon to go. Probably followed by maybe a vanity, and then and then we get into an interesting position. So, like, so far I'm enjoying this Canada versus the world, despite the screwing over of Anita, who I love. Um, but it's going to get real interesting real soon to see what they do as we get closer to the end. And, yeah, it airs on Friday nights at 9 o'clock on Crave Canada, and you can watch it on WoW Presents Plus in America. Okay, so very quickly, let's do um, the premieres this week. On Monday, The Great Christmas Light Fight returns on ABC and Leva's new show on Bravo, Southern Hospitality, where it's like Vanderpump Rules, but Leva, who asked for this, don't know. Hulu has Planet Sex with Cara Delevingne, and then Behind Music returns Paramount+. Plus. On Wednesday, Peacock is dropping its new crime series, Irreverent, starring Colin Donnell from the Chicago Med, and or the Chicago franchise. Uh, Willow premieres on Disney Plus and Bravo has a new dating series called Love Without Borders. Thursday, the second season of Gossip Girl premieres and the second season of Sort Of both premiere on HBO Max. On Friday, season two of Slow Horses on Apple TV Plus, Firefly Lane's final season begins on Netflix. A new Amazon series called Three Pines, which I think is based on an Agatha Christie book, I want to say. Season two of My Unorthodox Life drops on Netflix, and Matt Rogers' comedy special, Have You Heard of Christmas, premieres on Showtime. I'm so excited for that. I love him. He was on I Love That For You on Showtime. He has the Lost Culturistas podcast. He was in Fire Island on Hulu with Joel Kim Booster this summer. I fucking love Matt Rogers. I'm so glad he's having his moment. Give him all the flowers. And then for finales, Avenue 5 on HBO, the series finale on Own of Queen Sugar, The Masked Singer and The Mighty Ducks end on Wednesday, and then on Friday, the season finale of The Peripheral on Amazon Prime. Okay, my Hallmark Countdown to Christmas recommendation this week is another one that's kind of by default because I didn't love any of the 
movies that aired over week five. And it is Three Wise Men and a Baby. Okay, you might have heard of this movie because it has ushered in the Hallmark Cinematic Universe, which is what I'm calling it, <laughs> where Hallmark stars are Avengers style, coming together in each other's movies, making cameos. It is the beginning of what has now turned into like a thing. So Three Wise Men and a Baby is Andrew Walker, who is hot, Tyler Haynes, Tyler Hines, who is hot, Paul Campbell, who I find very attractive, but also is very funny. And they play three brothers. They're all Hallmark leading men who typically do their own Hallmark movies. And I believe other than Paul, like Tyler Hines had another one that aired this past weekend over Thanksgiving called Time for Him to Come Home to Christmas. Andrew Walker had an Maple Valley Christmas. Uh, Paul Campbell wrote this movie and is in it. So this is his Hallmark movie of the year, but they usually do their own movies. They are well-loved. Um, they also are like throughout the year, Hallmark hunks. You know, Paul Campbell did... Um, the one that was about people going to a bunch of weddings, uh, Tyler Hines has been in a shit ton of these. So is Andrew Walker for like years and years and years. They're all coming together. And like, this was the event of the season or one of the events of the season on Hallmark. And it was the biggest TV movie of the year on any network. It was the most watched TV movie of the year on any network in 2022. And the most watched Hallmark movie of any kind since 2019 that's an accomplishment in this day and age and it's because it's these beloved actors all coming together in a very cute funny hallmark christmas movie so it's about three brothers who all still live together with their mom um mom has to go away for the holidays and firefighter brother has a baby dropped off at the fire station that they that these three brothers then have taken care of and there's like a bunch of silly side plot lines and it's very cute the three of them have wonderful chemistry together i could have done without all of them separately like falling in love it's not necessary uh I, I, none of them needed girlfriends by the end of this honestly but i think they all got them so that's kind of well, whatever um and like i wanted it to be longer like it needed more time because they were so cute and so funny and there was so many characters they needed more time especially if they were going to do these like everyone falls in love by the end storylines they needed more time to develop those relationships because some of them came off very weird and rushed especially the ending where like the mom comes back and like explains why the baby was dropped off in the first place uh but it was a very cute actually at moments laugh out loud funny movie which is like rare for hallmark and like i said it ushered in the beginning of this hallmark cinematic universe which has since continued so even in this movie we got a cameo from kimberly sustad who was the lead earlier this season in lights camera christmas and who co-wrote this movie three wise men and a baby with paul campbell so she makes a little cameo as a nurse then the next day on Sunday, we got this movie called When I Think of Christmas, where Jonathan Bennett randomly shows up in a scene and uh, he plays like a shopper or something, has one line. His movie is coming out next month in December called The Holiday Sitter. And it's the first LGBTQ centric Hallmark movie where they are the central couple uh, two where two gay men are the central couple, two queer, queer people are the central couple. But he like pops up. Then I just finished Haul Out the Holly, which was one of the Hallmark movies uh, or one of the Thanksgiving weekend movies with Lacey Chabert and Chris Palaha, who was in We Wish You a Married Christmas, pops up in one scene. So does Eric Mabius, who's in the Sign Sealed Delivered movies, pops up at one point. And like these fun cameos. Oh, and I, oh, what did I watch yesterday um, or earlier? 
there was another one where Wes Brown, who was in Holly, was in like one rant. Was it When I Think of Christmas? I forget, but it was another one of these movies. Oh, no, it was My Southern Family Christmas, which was the Thanksgiving Day movie. Like, has a couple lines as the main character's boss. So, like, all these leading actors are popping up doing, like, these fun little one-line, one-scene cameos in each other's movies, which is hysterical and also smart because, like, they're all filming their movies at the same time in the same place. They all know each other. Like, they're all cross-promoting. Do this all the time. Like, do more Three Wise Men and a Baby-ish movies. Like, give us a movie next year with three Hallmark leading lady favorites doing something together. You know, last year we got Sister Swap, where the real-life sisters Kimberly Williams and uh, Ashley Williams played sisters, and they each got their own movie, and they were in each other's movies. Like, let's keep this going. I would love a 12 Couples of Christmas movie next year where we get 12 Hallmark hunks and 12 leading ladies, all favorites who are in a movie together or in a series of movies together. Like, do all of Thanksgiving weekend where you have, you know, six movies or whatever, or four movies. Put all 12 couples in all four of those movies. I would be so down for it. This is so much fun. It now gives us a new reason to want to watch all these movies, to like catch these fun cameos, to see who's gonna pop up in this one. Like it's a little, you know, it's a little iffy to now start to expect them, but when they do happen, they're so much fun to see. So my countdown to Christmas recommendation for that this, uh, this week five is Three Wise Men and a Baby. Coming up next week, I'll probably have a couple recommendations because there were, I think, seven or eight movies that aired over Thanksgiving weekend. There was one on Thursday, two on Friday, three on Saturday, two on Sunday. Someone do the math, whatever that number is. I've only watched a few of them so far, but they are, they are, uh, they're a little hot and cold. <laughs> the quality is kind of up and down with them. That's okay, though. Okay, that's all I got. So thank you for tuning in to... to <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Big TV Critic. I will be back next week with more news, more recaps, reviews, more analyses, and more recommendations. Have a good week, everyone.